Hello and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I'm so pleased to welcome as our guest once again, Scott Schutte. Uh, If you listen to this podcast, you probably know Scott by now, but in case you don't, he is a longtime produce retail veteran who's been so generous to be a regular on this podcast and share some awesome insight on topics ranging from right in the ad, breaking down barriers between departments, pricing strategy, merchandising, and all kinds of different things. And over the last 35 plus years, Scott has served in leadership roles with Fresh Time, with Sprouts, with Boshes. He's been recognized as Produce Retailer of the Year, Specialty Food Retailer of the Year. And today we're going to tackle the topic of annual budget proposals. So a little financial deep dive to start the week. Scott, thank you so much for being with us and welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Ashley. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to uh, have some good dialogue today about the uh, fun and exciting world of uh, budget planning and budget writing. (laughs) Absolutely. So you told me that uh, before we got started, you were jotting down a few notes, a few things that came to mind. What, where do you start when you're thinking about the annual budget? Maybe that's a good place to begin. Yeah, well, every year it just seems to creep up on you faster and faster each year. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is kind of follow um, kind of a regimented list that I've put together that kind of helps me plot and plan the whole entire process from the very early stages of it, like kind of what we're talking about today, all the way through to the actual process of living out those budget goals and budget dreams that following preceding year. So I usually start out by creating myself a, a nice little budget planning calendar and a timeline. And I put that together. Um, most of the time, that's usually a process that starts in, in August or September. And so I get to work on kind of sketching out what that timeline is going to look like, what my due dates are going to be. Um, I even, believe it or not, strategically try to attempt to schedule around the budget writing time, other events, and even, you know, vacation time on purpose. Uh, Budget writing time of year is one of the more critical times of the year, and uh, you've got to have zero distractions and 100% focus and attention on the the process of that uh, lovely budget writing Yeah. So what are some of the, you mentioned the timeline, what are some of the milestones that, that go in that like, by this time, I need to have this done by this point, I need to have this done. What are some of those kind of touch points along the way? Yeah, sure. It really depends on the company or the organization that you're with. Um, Most of the time they'll have a um, a forecasted timeframe or due dates for a lot of portions of the the budget writing process. Um, But for myself, some of those important uh, steps or, or calendar earmarks that I have in place could be as simple as the time frame that I'm going to require the people on my team to submit back to me some of their budget dreams for the next year, some of those things that could really help them move the needle in one way or the other. And when I say teams, I mean all teams, the operations team, the folks down at store level, all the way up to operation leaders. Um, the teams in the world of procurement, um, those folks that are out there purchasing and buying product and keeping the supply chain going. Uh, maybe there's uh, something new and different for them that needs a consideration in the budgeting process for, for the next year. And then ultimately the support team or the team that would be a little bit more directly underneath uh, myself in the, in the position of a, an executive level uh, player that would um, 
kind of make sure I didn't forget some of those things that might be a little bit more obvious to folks like them and they can have equal participation, kind of a, kind of a democracy type process in, in getting budgeting ideas, budgeting suggestions. Uh, it's usually a really good starting point early in the budgeting process to get viewpoints and ideas and um, some, some really creative thoughts from those folks that are on your team. So I imagine that the feedback that you get when you ask folks ranges from everything from new equipment to maybe, hey, we'd like to visit this growers, you know, these growers this year. So we'd like to budget for travel for that. I mean, I'm sure it could be a, you know, training, a whole gamut of different things. What all does, what all kind of feedback did you hear over the years on that? Oh, you name it. And there's there's a lot of um, very great ideas. And a lot of those ideas are actually put into place the preceding year as part of the budget. And then there's some of those far-fetched ideas that have to do with um, you know, excessive headcount might be an example, you know, that they need an assistant or an assistant to their assistant or one of those type of situations. But um, for the most part, um, it, when you involve your team, in a process that's uh, important enough as a budget writing process, they take it pretty seriously. And it becomes a little bit competitive for them to come up with some of the best ideas or the best game plans, or um, maybe a way that they know for sure that they could move the needle regarding sales or profitability or reducing food waste or whatever the situation might be. It becomes a, a little bit of a rivalry and everybody wants to be able to uh, put forth their best ideas or their best game plan for next year that's not only going to help them, but it's going to help the organization move forward. What were some of the, the creative ideas you heard over the year that kind of stand out in your mind? Uh, technology. You know, technology is um, something that uh, is becoming more and more at the top of the list um, for proposals to the budget writing process. And um, years ago and decades ago, um, it really wasn't even in the conversation when you talked about uh, budget planning and budget writing for the for the next year. But technology has taken a, a big front seat and high on the list. And technology um, from technology that helps the store level folks out to technology that's actually helping the supply chain out. Um, really cool forms of technology that help the receiving process and that help the receivers better understand USDA um, qualifications for product to be received correctly. Um, tools that help those folks out at the receiving end of it and at that uh, you know, midway point of the supply chain that uh, not only better their job, but better the overall product that the end customer ends up getting. And when you would start to work on a budget, the 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 total amount at kind of the bottom line there is that something that you would be given and they would say this is your budget how would you like to spend it or was it tell us what you want and and we'll go from there yeah most of my experience has been the later it's been uh, tell us what you want and how you're going to get there and some of the steps you're going to take along the way and uh, most of the time it's with uh, a proven attached ROI that um, is required that really um, takes your plan to the next level and puts a hypothetical plan into uh, future use. And that really helps the upper executive team members better understand not only what your plan is, but 
how you're going to work that plan and how far it's going to go with um, making sales achievement goals or those profit achievement goals or whatever the goals might be for that particular budget or that section of the budget, the uh, return on investment plans always are a good step-by-step process that help them better understand the financial implications of, of what your goal is to be for the next year. That, that makes a lot of sense um, to kind of spell out like what the implications are of all these different investments. Yeah. Cause I imagine in, in a lot of cases, the person that, you know, is the VP of produce or the director of produce, the person you're reporting to, who's maybe got the red pen and is looking at that budget, they're not necessarily a produce person, right? So kind of explaining Absolutely. some of the ways that, hey, this is this is going to make that bottom line number bigger. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if we could make these investments, that, that makes a lot of sense. I should probably take a quick step backwards, though. Um, prior to that, it's really my job as a, a department lead or head of an apartment to make sure I understand what the organization's primary goals or objectives are for the next year. Um, those can vary from organization to organization. And there's a, um, a handful of different examples um, as far as things that I can think of. There's budgeting plans that might be just 100% focused on expanding market share in their neck of the woods and that type of growth or acquisition that's top of the list for the total organization. There might be other um, plans for the organization that are just really self-focused on uh, driving those top line sales. And it might be as easy as that, that they're really going strong this year for 100% focus towards top line sales. There might be um, a historical example of maybe the current year that they're in or the year that they came off of prior was miserable when it came to bottom line profits. And so the focus for the next budget might be just shoring up the budget or shoring up the, the profit level of the company or the organization. Um, I've been through experiences before where a budget writing process has a lot to do with decreasing the expenses of the company. And there's a big focus that's put on that. Um, I've also been involved with budgeting processes that talk about and actually do reinvest in the team members. They reinvest in the people of the organization and it's focused on that. And I've also been involved in um, organizations that check the box on all of those I just mentioned. You know, they're really trying for every single possible potential goal and every category that's available. And they've got directives and uh, major financial goals that uh, are part of all the above that I just spoke of. What an excellent point that it really, it depends on on what that overall goal is for the kind of investments that you'll, you'll want to make, be able to make. What are a couple examples of, say if, say if you're going for, like you said, top line sales versus you're going for market share expansion, you know, if, if those are two different strategies and those are maybe the main priority, you know, for these respective uh, grocers, how might that play out differently in terms of, okay, these are going to be our big ticket budget items this year? Well, uh, first and foremost, they kind of dictate um, what your department, and as we're talking about produce right now, um, they kind of dictate what the role of the produce department is going to be. So if it is 95% about driving top line sales, you can probably count on your department being used as a customer traffic driver and those feature front page ads. Um, you're gonna be responsible for bringing in the customer count 
um, bringing in people off the street that maybe haven't shopped with you for a while. And with that said, you're going to have to come up with some very aggressive ideas that are going to help drive sales and move the overall needle for the company, knowing and understanding that you're one of the maybe two or three primary departments within the whole store that has that that burden or that task of making sure that that needle for top line sales is moving in a very, very positive direction, um, especially if that's the overarching goal for the entire company. And on the the market share front, I thought that was really interesting too, because uh, like you said, if if sales, and obviously there's a lot of different ways to, to encourage sales, but on the market share side, that makes me think more about like the quality perception and the like reputation in the community and, and, you know, what, what are the weaknesses of, or, you know, what are the things that we think are our strength that we can really leverage over our competitors or, or things like how, how might that manifest a little differently from a budget perspective? Um, From a budgeting perspective, I'll go back to 2019. 2019 would be a real good example of a year that many organizations um, had in their budgeting plans, increasing market share. And a lot of them had that in their plans by um, the thought of acquisition. Um, there was maybe another retailer that was uh, in the cards for them to acquire or uh, become part of their company. Um, part of their planning was the actual organic growth of building new stores and getting new stores open in different marketplaces that would help them expand market share. And the other popular part during that year was um, remodels. Remodels and getting stores up to date that uh, maybe have been neglected for a while. And in doing so, um, driving more customer traffic and building a bigger market share just by sprucing up some of their existing stores and uh, maybe putting a few more bells and whistles into those particular locations that would help build that market share. Those are definitely big ticket items, but those are something that was uh, very popular 2019-ish, I'll say. Now, in the years to come after the, uh, the pandemic, um, there's been a lot of things that have changed in the thought process of, of budget writing and what the plans are for the next year. And I've seen a lot of organizations that are maybe a little bit less focused on that, growing the market share, you know, and building and evolving their company to really drilling down into the human resource side of the business and focusing on training and development and member retention. And I think what they've realized is that they can, you know, they can build a million stores, but they'll never be functional or operational if they don't have the team members in place and they don't have team members in place that actually know what they're doing and can help run the business. So a lot of retailers are taking a step back in today's day and age and strategizing from a budgeting standpoint, how we can spend some money on making sure that our organization is up to speed, is well-staffed and well-versed in the uh, in the world of selling retail groceries and doing a great job at it. So um, it kind of goes with uh, the time and what's happening in the world and some of the major and minor changes that have happened. Um, some of those factors help dictate what the budgeting process is gonna be all about moving forward into this next year. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, another priority, you know, that, that a grocer could potentially have is, you know, we've, we got to really, we got to really, you know, control our costs. We, we got to control our expenses right now. Uh, for you as, as a produce director or, or VP of produce, 
what were what were the things that you always tried to protect as the non-negotiables in the budget? Oh, some things just to make sure that I would uh, um, be able to have them for the next year and to be able to utilize them were um, everything from um, the team that I needed to perform those duties and to be able to have that ability to surround my, myself with great qualified help that would uh, keep the uh, engines running as strong as possible and help the company continue moving forward. Uh, the team is probably first and foremost as far as preserving the team and not having any major changes to that team that would affect the dynamic outcome of uh, the performance of, of the produce department. Um, produce departments in years past, it wasn't uh, uncommon at all to be seven, eight, nine, 10% of the store's entire business. And so the fresh produce departments probably didn't get a fair shake when it came to the level of importance that uh, produce brings to a retail grocery organization. Uh, today's day and age, there's many retailers out there that uh, anywhere from 25 to 30% of their business comes directly from the fresh produce in the floral department. So it's super important to pay close attention to the, to the needs and the, the expectations and um, some of the, the methods of achieving goals for the produce department to keep that entire organization moving forward in a, in a very positive direction. A lot different than it was 10 or 15 years ago, for sure. Absolutely. And I was curious too, thinking about, you know, how the budget, the priorities and, and the things that you want to ask for might change from year to year. I wonder, is is there flexibility to kind of put things in and take things out? Is that an easy process? Or I'm thinking in terms of like tax dollars allocated towards certain things every year, and it's like a, a use it or lose it situation sometimes, right? Where like you see the curbs being, being redone maybe more frequently than they need to because sure. that's in the budget and we got to keep it, you know. I, I'm curious kind of how, how, uh, how flexible or how easy you can move things in and out, or if it's like, oh my gosh, let's just try and keep this in there consistently. So we're not having to make a brand new case for it, you know, again, in two years or three years when we need it. No, my opinion and my experience in the past has been uh, the budget planning um, and, and getting budget approval for different things has been a very flexible process that there is a lot of give and take. Ultimately, it always does boil down to the, the mighty dollar and what's going to serve the company best for um, becoming um, uh, a major growth factor for the following year or those top line sales increases that we were just talking about or whatever category it might fall into, there is an awful lot of, of flexibility. And even when something doesn't make it into the budget for the next year, that doesn't mean it's completely taken off the list and it's something that's not thought of or that's not that's not worked on any longer. Uh, it just takes a little bit of a back seat, and uh, it might still be a work in process, a little bit slower than it would have been if it had budget approval. Um, but it's still there, and it's it's still alive, and um, something that uh, sometimes ends up getting completed during that next year anyway, alongside all the other objectives that were put in place on a budget. Other times when there is no, you know. Uh, uh, total dollars to help get that to the finish line. Uh, it might be gradually worked on, but then ultimately finished the year after and become part of a budget uh, plan 
for the proceeding year. So it might be instead of just six months out, it might be something that ends up being a year and a half or two years out before it's finally um, top of the list and finally being completed. And you mentioned earlier that one of your first steps in the budget will be getting feedback from, from members of your team at all different levels. Who else do you involve in that budgeting process or, or how does that kind of unfold with, with the involvement of different parties? Now you read my mind again. I was just thinking about that also because this conversation has kind of uh, sparked up, um, you know, some thoughts of how it worked for me in the past. And besides my own team helping provide feedback and some really good tangible ideas for the budget, um, I relied a lot on the direction of other departments within the company or the organization. Um, a really good example that I could think of right now would be the human resource department that I just spoke about earlier. And maybe that the the time is right for an organization to put a little bit more dollars towards helping the human resource department um, be better at recruiting, be better at um, retaining team members once they get them hired, be, get, be a little bit better at the training and development process once they're hired. And if I know that beforehand, or during the process of my budget writing, I can share in some synergy with the human resource department and add to my list of budget requirements, maybe something as simple as, it's probably maybe time for me to think about getting rid of my old paper catalog manual that I used to hire or used to hand to all the new hired employees that was their guidebook on how to do produce. Maybe it's time for me to finally take that how-to book or that training manual and put it live online and have an app or an application that's uh, available for all the new team members to very quickly, efficiently, and effectively learn some of the ins and outs of Produce 101. And maybe it's time for me to invest a little bit of capital in making sure that I've applied technology to uh, kind of revamping my entire how-to process in the world of produce and taking it from that, that paper book level to something brand new and exciting that's online that coincides quite a bit with what the human resource department is working on, um, but will take a little bit of time and effort and ultimately money to make sure that I'm up to date and up to speed on a whole new Produce 101 how-to book that happens to be very interactive and online and effective for the team members. So that might be a good example of how I could kind of team up with or feed off of the synergy from another department to make sure that it's part of my budget planning process also, especially if an organization has elevated the human resource department to the top of the list. And maybe that superseded or took place of, you know, building and, and remodeling and revitalizing existing stores. Maybe that's a little lower on the list, but, you know, taking care of new team members and retaining new team members has moved up on the list. So it might be time for me to think differently on my budget process also. I love that example. And that makes me wonder too about, um, you know, other opportunities for synergy, even thinking about like, you know, is there an opportunity for, for mobile refrigerated cases and maybe they could be used by meat and by produce for, you know, kind of those secondary displays or those impulse, impulse spots, you know, next to the registers or things like that. Um, what are, what are some of those conversations like? And 
it is it I suppose this depends on the kind of the culture of the organization because it seems like it could be a really nice easy you know collaborative um spirit or in organizations that maybe haven't broken down those barriers like we've talked about previously it maybe it's a more like mm, well you know if if you get what you want I may not get what I want you know a little bit of I think there's an old competition saying that's not as healthy maybe yeah there's an old saying that goes there there's safety in numbers and anytime that you can partner up with any department within your organization, whether that's the, the finance team or the, the HR team we just spoke about, or even produce in the meat department, partnering up on something as simple as a mobile refrigerated display case that could go back and forth from a meat merchandising strategy one week to you know, the strawberry promotion at Valentine's that is needed for the refrigerated case. Their safety in numbers. So if you can work together with leadership from other departments and join forces with them, it's always a, a very successful outcome or result and, and, and bottom line to the budgeting process. Um, that, that idea, that concept that you just mentioned about that refrigerated display case um, really sparks another idea also, other than just going at the budgeting process alone and trying to tackle the expense of that display case and trying to justify it with an ROI, joining forces with another department also helps. In addition to that, joining forces with the manufacturers of equipment like that, um, the people that are experts, not at only developing and designing that equipment, but are also experts at, they've done this many times before for other retailers. And they know the end result. They know what a refrigerated berry case or refrigerated display case is going to do for improving berry shelf life and berry food waste in that whole category. They have facts and figures and details that they can help provide you. They can also help you provide um, some of those important sales details on what it's done to other retailers that have invested in mobile refrigerated display cases how far it moved the needle for them when it comes to sales, how they were able to capitalize on not just meat sales, but also produce sales and other department sales that maybe utilize that same display case also. And they'll give you some real important facts and figures and financial dollar amounts that are super critical in putting into and building into your return on investment form that uh, needs to go across the desk of higher level executives to really better understand what you're trying to do and those results that could be achieved if you were allowed to go that direction. So. That's a great example of bringing the manufacturers in to help you make your case. And I'm guessing even on, even on things as, you know, maybe seemingly minute as like logistical details and like, okay, what kind of infrastructure do we need to have as far as electrical outlets to be able to plug this in where for us to be able to use it in different locations? I mean, even things like that, I'm guessing they can provide a lot of helpful perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. The cost on cleaning and maintenance for those cases, um, you know, your example was really spot on with uh, what type of electrical is it going to use? And is your store already equipped with that type of electrical? If not, you know, what is going to be the additional cost for piping that electricity to that uh, cold refrigerated case? So, yeah, long story short, those suppliers, those manufacturers are critical to the budget writing process. They can actually provide quite a bit of, of good, strong information for you to help plead your case 
and ultimately better understand what that process has done for other retailers similar to your organization and how it's helped them move the needle. And that's what you want to know. And what are other areas of the budget? Like um, equipment is probably uh, an easy example, but what are some other areas where you do have to consider, you know, not just the cost of the thing itself, but the cost to maintain it, the cost, you know, all these kind of ancillary things. It's like when my husband tells me he wants a boat, I'm like, well, we wouldn't just be paying for a boat. We'd be paying to store the boat and the property tax on the boat, and the property tax on the boat trailer. You see where I'm going. Um, what are yeah. other kind of categories like that for the budget where you do just kind of have to, you know, extrapolate, okay, this is, this is the first thing, but then these are the things that'll go along with it. Yeah. Uh, one of the notes that I wrote down before our conversation that really helped me out quite a bit um, with, with the comment that you just made was becoming really good friends with the finance department and making sure that you've got somebody that you're, you're, you're joined at the hip with and you're partnered up with in the finance department, because those are all great questions that uh, really solid players over in the finance department will bring to your attention. And you might think it might be as easy as I'm going to buy this refrigerated display case and I'm going to pay $8,500 per store for this refrigerated display case. And that's it. That's the end of the story. Um, but a really great partner in the finance department will ask all those important questions on the, on the details of you know, there's more implications than just $8,500. What else is there? And on the positive side, they're also a real good proponent to maybe digging out additional um, sales dollars that that case might be able to help generate. Um, they might be able to um, help provide better data too from a, a food waste reduction standpoint on how much from a percent level, from a dollar level, that that refrigerated display case is going to make a difference compared to the current non-refrigerated display method that you're, you're using right now. And um, the expertise that they have when it comes to um, being able to understand the mighty dollar is usually quite a bit higher than, than yours. And so to be able to help balance you out and make sure that uh, some of your decisions and your ideas make good dollars sense, um, you need somebody strong as a partner over in the finance department to uh, really help take that idea and that concept from the very beginning all the way over to the finish line. And think of all those little things, like your example of insurance on the boat and uh, the, uh, the the tags that are due every year on the boat and the tags for the trailer that are due. Well, the finance department will do the same exact thing and really not only be the devil's advocate, but um, really help solidify your idea and strengthen your idea to make sure that it's ultimately the strongest for the company. They're a, a great source for checks and balances when it comes to uh, finalizing concepts or ideas for the annual budget. I love the idea of, of coming into partnership with those folks early because I, I imagine if you don't get those questions answered early and accounted for in the budget you present, you're going to get those questions coming back on the other end saying, uh, did you think about this and this and this? And how does how does that work out? And so you can just be ahead of the game if you go ahead and, and go that route. You can be ahead of the game and you can help question yourself a little bit better and making sure or ensuring that you really are making the best possible decision for the company. And it's not self-centered for your department. It's a, more of a global purpose to help the needs of the entire organization. And 
um, the folks from my past experience on the finance team were the ones that really ultimately helped that process. We had such a great discussion with Scott on this topic of the budget process that we are actually breaking it up into two parts. So if you enjoyed both the big picture and the detailed recommendations from the conversation so far on the planning process, on partnering with other leaders throughout the organization, you will definitely want to tune in again next week to hear part two of this deep dive on the annual budget process. And in the meantime, you can check out some of our previous episodes featuring Scott, including on topics like writing the ad, breaking down walls between departments, pricing strategy, and much more. Thank you as always for listening, and we will see you again next week on the Produce Retail Podcast.